0: Welcome to the Low-Key Podcast. My name is Tim Malloy. This week, we're talking about Just Mercy, the true story of Bryan Stevenson, who in 1980s Alabama defended a black death row inmate named Walter McMillian, who was wrongly convicted of murdering a white woman. It's based on the memoir of the same name by Stevenson. Michael B. Jordan plays Stevenson and Jamie Foxx plays McMillian in the film from Dustin Daniel Cretton, which was released to good reviews in December, but didn't get a ton of attention. It's getting renewed interest now because Warner Brothers has made it available for free in response to the killing of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter protests taking place worldwide. In this episode, Keith Denny, Aaron Lanton, and me talk about our different experiences with police and what justice reform should look like. You'll probably not be surprised to learn that I, the white person in the group, have gotten by far the best treatment from police. If you like this episode, we hope you'll like all of our episodes, but we especially recommend the next one where we're going to revisit Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. And now, our discussion of Just Mercy, available for free wherever you like to stream films. The first voice you're going to hear belongs to Aaron, then you'll hear Keith,
1: and then me.
2: So what do y'all think of Jamie Foxx's mustache?
1: He only had it in the beginning, right? The handlebar mustache? Mm Mm-hmm. I always told myself, like, at a certain age, I might. (laughs) <laughs> rock
2: something like that i mean but i think it's like, time if you're gonna do a quarantine times a time
1: no man well i mean it's not really we're not quarantined over here i don't know where what's oh you were like in that?
2: texas though Man, nobody worry about what texas is about y'all weren't quarantined in the first place halfway shit no
1: we wasn't <laughs> i mean i'm quarantined like i pretty much stay at the house and for the most part but but no, I think I'm going to wait till I get a little older before I grow the handlebar. I might cut my beard and just grow a full handlebar mustache like this. So,
2: well, yeah. at least you won't fit any uh, suspect's description of a murder.
1: No, I definitely, yeah, I probably would. <laughs> Hell! <laughs> <laughs> but, but, shoot, but, you know, in all honesty, you, no matter what you look like as a black man, you could be considered to look like somebody that killed somebody.
2: Unless you got a handball mustache. But other than that, you you know, you you probably a suspect. I actually remember, for real, this is a true story. My friend and I were walking around UT's campus, um, University of Tennessee. And uh, I want to say it was 2007. It was a football game. I want to say it might have been homecoming. You got this seal of, you know, UT Orange. Um, yeah, I'm saying UT, University of Texas. I'm, I'm counting University of Tennessee, baby. But anyway, so walking around. And uh we saw this sign and it says suspect in a robbery today is between the height of five foot two and six foot four, and they weigh between anywhere from like one hundred and forty to like two hundred something pounds. And we were like and, and they said they had a hoodie on and a orange it, it was like, yeah, orange UT hoodie and some jeans. And me and him both looked at each other, we both were wearing that shit, and we were like, We're going back to the dorm to change. Fuck this. <laughs> and so yeah, that's, you know, so yeah, Just Mercy, yeah, you 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 know, you can be anybody. <laughs> um, gotta be concerned about what you look like, what you're wearing, in between those heights and weights, you know, you can always be a suspect. And I think that's one thing that's really interesting about this film is, you know, in, in many places of the country, uh, people feel like that is just this thing that's always possible, that you'll be for no other reason than people just feel like messing with you, you know, you'll be considered a target because somebody needs to, you know, solve a case, make the, the town feel safe. And, and then, um, that, that's how they do it, you know? Um, so I don't know. It, it's, it's an interesting film. It, it, it's one that definitely speaks to stuff that still happens today. And I, Really feel like this is a, a really interesting project for, you know, Michael B. Jordan to choose to produce and, and get other really talented actors involved with, um, you know, this is definitely the one you go to your agent and be like, definitely put me in that. Right. But um, it's an important story and I'm glad they told it. It's a really good film. Right.
0: All right. That's our episode. <laughs> <laughs> I got to interview the director of this movie, um, whose name I always mess up, Dustin Daniel Cretton. I always want to say Daniel Dustin Dustin Cretton. Um, and my big question for him was, this is a weird movie in that the Michael B. Jordan character is a good guy at the beginning, a good guy in the middle, a good guy at the end. There's really never a moment of doubt. There's never really like a character conflict, a crisis, where he has to like overcome something within himself. And it's unusual that way. I mean, it's a really different movie that way. All of his challenges are external. And I asked the director why that was and he said, Well, Brian Stevenson, the person who Michael B. Jordan is playing, was on set all the time, making sure that everything is realistic and I think that having him on set causes this movie to really give him a give that character a very positive portrayal from beginning to end. It's a it's just unusual that way. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So does do you think that makes him um, a boring character in the film or? A very flat character because of that?
0: Well, I don't know what order these will come out in, but last week we did, last week meaning 10 minutes ago, we did do the right thing. (laughs) And uh, I really like how in that movie, everybody's really complicated and complex and human, really breathes and feels, it feels like you're going on a journey with these people and you don't know what they're going to do. And I kind of wish Just Mercy had more of an arc for Brian Stevenson, but at the same time, I think it's a really valuable movie because it happened exactly like that. I mean, I, it's the way that watching a documentary is valuable. Like, I think it is really valuable for people to see this did happen. This is not a movie that played with the facts or, um, you know, made some people more or less likable. It stays really true.
2: I want to actually address that too because it was something that... Um... It came to mind, but in a different way for me. Um, I just, I can't remember which, where I heard this from. Damn. Um, I I really want to give credit to the person who said it too. And if it comes to me later, I definitely will. Um, Oh, you know, it was Ezra Klein. It was Ezra Klein on um, the Vox podcast. He was actually having a conversation with Ta-Nehisi Coates. He talks about um, some of the writings of Martin Luther King Jr. And just this really kind of inhuman task that he's given to himself and the people who are protesting with him of taking on all this hate um, and saying never fight back, never do this, never do that, taking a complete vow of nonviolence and how it's so unfair to ask that of citizens, we should be asking that, of the police state itself, you know, Um, who's swearing to protect. But, you know, on the other end of that, in Brian Stevenson's case, this is somebody who had to go into these. You he chose to to represent people who are on death row, um, using federal funds, knowing that he could use his lucrative or potentially lucrative um, Ivy League Harvard education to you know make really good living. Um, and it said chose to go out and help people, and and you know, with that mission, he endured. Lots of craziness, right? And um, even the thing that happened—his um, first visit with the um, inmates in, in Alabama, where they forced him to, to undergo, you know, a strip search—and I mean, obviously, that's not you know something that lawyers are typically going to be asked to do. Probably never ask a white lawyer to do that. But that—that—that that, that anger that you see from Michael B. Jordan. I mean, the one thing, you know, in many ways, you know, you could say he he doesn't have, like, that internal struggle, but there's so much bubbling under the surface that just he doesn't allow to, you know, get him off of the path of his mission. It, yeah. it feels very inhuman and just kind of crazy. I mean, I, I don't, man, it's just people from the previous generation who just made of different stuff, you know? Yeah,
0: the real Brian Stevenson is an amazing person. That he's given his life to this is—you couldn't pick a harder job as a lawyer.
2: Yeah. Yeah, those. I mean, and, and to know that your your clients are going to be, um, you know, oftentimes they're poorly represented when they get to those moments. But you know, also just knowing that you are. You know, I mean, and, and I'll speak specifically to this being about a thing of being against, you know, his understanding of, of, um, a faith, but just that the death penalty is being this inhumane thing and, and, um, having people speak to how, you know, um, just inhuman, in- inhumane it is, um, the burning of the flesh and, and just, in, in the smell of it, and just what it does to people who who witness it, um, that that moment where he's, you know, um, where Brian Stevens is walking out of the the prison when he witnesses um, uh, his, oh, my God, what was his client's name? Was it Henry or Hector? Um, uh, it, The client he had who he couldn't get off a of death row when he's walking out, that swaggering his step is just gone. You know, uh, it was Howard. Howard was his name. Yeah. Um he, he's unable to to you know, I mean you 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 can feel the stumble in some of the the ways that, that uh Michael B. Jordan chooses to, to you know, act. It's it's really um something else. I th- I thought it was it was well done. And and Jamie Foxx of course did a great job as Walter McMillan. I believe he was nominated for a couple of awards, right, for this performance.
0: Yeah, I think this movie's amazing.
2: Yeah.
0: Particularly by yeah.
1: him. I think I think it is, um, but it's also like, um, for me as a black man, it's like a horror film almost. It's just mm-hmm. like what we were talking about when we watched, um, when we talked about if Bill Street could talk, which was essentially, uh, it, I, I, you know, at one point you like, is this a, you know, a movie about racial injustice, or more is this about, is this a love story and, and love conquers all type of thing? But it but at any rate both films are depicting black men being put in situations where they get accused for a crime that they didn't even commit, you know? And and then uh Walter McMillan's case, it's like the worst thing you could do. Like the, the complete worst thing. Um and it's like I don't know, it kinda of brought up certain things within me like um one thing and i don't know if people talked about this or you guys ever thought about this but the when they were saying how a lot of people a lot of white people in town were were spreading rumors and stuff about him because he had slept with that white woman Mm -hmm. and and not only was it a white woman but she was married also right Yep. and and so all of this had got spun up to up to a point to where when something did happen, everything was gonna get thrown on him and that was a there was a part in the movie where they were saying how how that how the system is made up it's almost like Martin Day lynching and that just stood <laughs> out a lot to me like when you, when we think about it, like I was singing about that movie what was that movie Rosewood?
2: Oh, yeah. Ooh, on, I ain't watched Rosewood in a while, man. That's a ooh.
1: right? Where you where you got uh, a black man that was accused of raping a white woman, and they just wiped out a whole town full of black people.
2: Yeah,
1: and and it made me think like how, especially when we see some of the injustice that happened with police officers day, it's pretty much what it is, just a, a different version of lynching. Um. And it also brought up certain fears. Like, honestly, I've had, I don't know if Aaron ever had, I don't know if you've ever had this feeling, but my, my mom, and I, I know she met, she met well in doing this, but she put a fear in me to like pretty much never date white women. Like I, I was so afraid to date white women all the way up to like my late 20s. And it was because of, because something like that might happen. Like the wrong person see me out or a police officer see me out with this girl. And she she not gonna get the same treatment that I'm gonna get, you know.
2: You know what's funny about that too? Actually for me, the that, that didn't happen with a white woman, it happened with a Korean woman. Right. Well, not not what? not that people were coming <laughs> after me, but that she right. was like, My father would never accept this. this. I'm sorry, like we have to stop talking to each other.
1: Well, her father <laughs> wouldn't accept it?
2: like she would be this on, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, but that's one thing to be disowned. is another thing to feel like your life is on the line.
2: I mean, what well, shit for her, she, her life was on the line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she. You know, you know nobody trying to hear all that? So I was like, all right, well, you know. But you know, I I definitely have have known people that this happened to who are, are you know black is um, <clears throat> both men and women where you know it, there's a. Not just like an uncomfortability of people just looking at you, but like there, there's an element where being in the wrong town is, is dangerous, you know, even today. Yeah. So I don't know. It it, it it's it's definitely um, really crazy. Um, I I do feel like though, it I don't know the actual case and how you know the the exact you know facts of exactly how things played out but it does seem like you know given certain circumstances change uh, once we have people who are working hard to make things happen can happen you know Um, we're seeing some of that happen today with a lot of protests going on Um, and, and that's very very encouraging and it, it's definitely even different from what we saw, you know, in the first versions of, of what went on with recorded um, killings of, of um, black people uh, by police. Um, we're seeing a lot more outpouring of, of support for um, movements like Black Lives Matter, and just people having a lot more. Um, Education and awareness of, you know, the systematic issues that have happened, particularly around sentencing and and things like that. So. It seems less likely that something that happened to Walter McMillan could happen again today, Um, and and that I do think speaks to um, improvement. Obviously, there's a lot more to do, but. I don't feel like something like this could happen to Walter McMillan today without a lot of fervor happening. And, and that's at least something, I think, that if we do a comparison today, hell, even if we compare it to 2019, I think we could feel, you know, like we are we have some positive momentum, you know?
1: I don't know. I feel like it's still happening.
2: Oh, no, it's it's 100% still happening. But, I mean, like, if it was, if it was brought to people's attention that it was happening, given the facts of the case and, like, you know, oh, the only evidence is, like, some... Some person who had some other thing going on, and there's no physical evidence, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, if the case started now, right? I mean, there's uh, plenty of things have already happened that you know, I'm sure many people are working to rectify. But if something like that occurred today, like if if Walter McMillan was arrested today and people tried to move it the way they moved to put him on death row before he even trial and stuff like that, nah, that wouldn't happen. I don't think. I don't know. It I, could, right? But but I, I feel like there'd be a lot of public pressure I mean, in a way if, that wasn't possible.
1: I mean, if people be. found out about it. Right, that's what I mean. If people not, found but, out. But I'm saying, like, we're we talking about um, Birmingham, Alabama. There could be a strong possibility that won't nobody know what happened to a black man in Birmingham.
2: I mean, the, the internet just makes it a little harder to do now. Some of it, you know, I mean, it could it definitely some of these things do happen. I'm just saying if there's attention well, to it, you know, well, it's going to be hard to, to make that move without folks noticing.
1: Yeah, I mean, if what what would happen is that you would have to have someone that actually cares. 100
2: yeah. percent.
1: Like that's that's really what it comes down to. And then bring out the facts of the case. Then that's the only way. But I feel like there I mean, I don't know for sure, but I feel like there are. They're, uh, there, there are other instances where something like this goes on. Same thing is that there's other instances where there's black men or black women or brown brown people, everyone that's been um, killed by police officers that we don't know about because it wasn't caught on camera.
2: No, I just mean, and again, I'm just speaking to like, if something can't I mean, look, even stuff that get caught on camera today uh, don't really oftentimes get the attention that I do. I'm glad this this one is you know, um, uh, making some moves. But, I mean, look, everything's not going to happen that quick. It's going to take another generation, at least, for things to, I would think, consistently be better. But I think what we we'll are talking about more is an awareness of the fact that these things do happen and right. wanting to uh, provide opportunities for people to really have a, a fair, you know, chance of, you know, putting their case in front of a jury. I think um, we're having opportunities where people – aren't just taking the word of people in, in positions of authority is just like the 100% truth and like you just take it and, and leave it. And that's, that's that on that, you know, I feel like people are willing to hear, um, you know, defendants out a little bit more.
1: Why do you, why do you guys think that people, um, I guess when I say people, I may be talking about white people for the most part, but I'm not sure. Um, they want to believe authority figures.
2: So, so let's talk about actually in, in in you know what we're talking about with just mercy. Um, wouldn't you want to believe that the assailant was called, the killer was called?
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's just comforting. I think it's just an easier thing to believe. It's it's like we all believe that paper towels are clean. Um. When we wipe down Don't the you counter. ruin this for me? No, because you want to believe that the paper <laughs> towels are. I cleaned it with a paper towel. Everything's okay. Like the police came, they solved it. Everything's okay. And the alternative is so chaotic and horrifying. And white people. Yeah, they people, never found the killer, right? Well, that's the thing everybody misses in all these cases. Whenever they get the wrong guy, the actual killer is still out there somewhere. And I think it's comforting for white people. <laughs> to believe that authority works and that it works properly. But, you know, then you get a speeding ticket and you immediately dispute it and suddenly cops are no longer infallible.
1: Right. It, yeah. It,
0: That's a good point. It's, I don't know. It, it, I, think, I think the last couple of weeks have been, you know, as horrible as the events were that led to the last couple of weeks. I think the last couple of weeks have been helpful in getting people to at least look at things from a different way, at least consider the possibility that maybe it isn't a few bad apples, that maybe <laughs> things are structurally bad and broken, yeah. which yeah. I, I don't think we wanted to consider before. I mean, I think if you'd yeah. asked me three weeks ago if I thought the majority of cops were good or bad, I would say most of them are doing their best and really, you know, they have a really hard job and all that stuff. And after hearing the other side pretty consistently for weeks and weeks i'm not as married to that idea like it's the first time in my life i've ever you hear people say like let's defund police departments and i do think like well what would that look like how would that actually work how would we go about it
2: see i think the the issue too is we see this happen in all these films and it's it's understated in so many ways and i'm glad that just mercy does a good job of kind of just drawing it out um And it's not beating you over the head with it in any way. But there are these moments where you see a couple of different cops kind of hesitant, like, this isn't right. You know? Like, they don't give some long monologue like you see in a lot of movies. Like, you know? Um, Or, like, that that sort of... The thing is, like, what what we're seeing oftentimes is, is these issues between, like, police unions, the local DAs, And then, like this code of silence within like the police force itself. Even the thing that happened in Buffalo, where that elderly man was pushed over by that uh, one particular officer, and then the police union comes out and is like, "Yeah, so he tripped and fell on his own." It's like we, you know, we saw that, right? (laughs) And the dude's bleeding out; nobody's helping him and shit. And then, like when those officers got charged, then you see like a huge bundle of people being like, "Okay, well, we're going to retire." I mean, not retire; excuse me, we're going to
0: leave that unit.
2: Yeah, yeah. Leave a unit just like for emergency stuff, and then like all these people are standing outside who work with the police, and they're just like cheering these guys on as they leave the courthouse. And it's like they pushed down an elderly man that didn't help him up, like, and and he's bleeding in the back of his head. This isn't like no one's trying to say all cops are bad, but then you you go out and do stuff like that, and it goes from being like a few bad apples to like you push. the dude didn't commit a crime. You pushed down an elderly man and didn't help him up, and you know, it'd be bad if it were anybody, really, that that happened to, but like, read the room, guys. Like, damn. Like, you can say, it, you know, look, we we shouldn't have done that. It was a mistake. You know, we regret it. We're making sure that this guy's gonna get taken care of. Boom, done. Like, and then suddenly, oh, okay, hey, see, they're all right. And Instead, like, now you have the same people who want to stick up for cops having to be like, well, I mean, the old man shouldn't have been in the way. It's like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, it, it, it's okay. Like, we have so much pride in this country and not just our own personal egos, but in wanting to believe that our authority figures and the people who, who've sworn to protect and serve are truly doing that at all times. And they're like, that makes them infallible. Like, they can't do wrong. And I think it's okay to say that they make mistakes. Like, that's... I mean, we should hold people accountable. It doesn't mean like you put everybody under the jail for every particular instance or something, but like there has to be accountability. There has to. You we, know? Also gotta, we also
1: got to. We also got to take into consideration that there are KKK members in the police departments.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent.
1: I mean, and so you mean to tell me a group that may we don't know how many Klan members are in police police departments throughout America and the the idea to think that people that's affiliated with the KKK won't have any type of you know um racial discrimination or hatred towards those of color is crazy but then I guess also most people wouldn't think that like most people don't think that there's any KKK members in the in the police department because
2: it sounds insane it sounds yeah. insane. That that's yeah. why, and I get that. It sounds crazy that you got like basically a unit of you know uh, the Nazis just rolling up in, in, in you know your police department, and that they're part of your justice system. Like when I say justice system, I mean like part of the courts and all this. Stuff. Like that sounds crazy. I get it. But if you're not going to grapple with that fact, we're going to keep doing this over and over. And and we're not going to have time. Well, we're not going to have an opportunity to have, you know, change that really lasts. And unfortunately, that denial, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about It's similar to like if you get a cancer diagnosis and you're just like, well, I'm not going to get this treated. I'm not going to get it with <laughs> that. You know what I mean? It's it's like, yeah, just, just, just keep ignoring it. It'll go away. And it's like, that's not how that works.
0: Yeah, I mean. I don't think every one of them is bad by any stretch. I think there's people who join and think, even if the organization is bad, I'm going to be the person who comes in and reforms it from within. I mean, there are definitely whistleblower cops who have called out other cops on doing awful things. There are definitely cops who've solved crimes and all sorts of other things. But there should be such a small margin of error in policing, and there isn't. Like, it's the number of things that go wrong that lead to people dying is, is so ridiculously out of whack and not okay. And wouldn't be tolerated in any other profession. I so mean, th- if, this is, this is the Chris Rock joke, ox- right? I don't know where, this joke.
2: So the, the joke is, and it's on tambourine. I definitely uh, recommend watching if you had this on uh, it's a Netflix special. He did where he's like, some professions can't have bad apples. Like if you had a bunch of pilots, like imagine United airlines was like, well, yeah. we have some pilots who running into mountains, but just deal with us while we trying to, <laughs> Figure this one out. It's like no, like you just killed a bunch of people. Like no, we can't have bad apples here. Oh yeah. uh, and, and actually, your point in Just Mercy. Remember, there's that cop who ends up. Um, he says, "Look, you know, they asked me to say that the body was in a certain position in a certain room, and I wouldn't say that." And then they let me go. You know, like that's how these things go. If you don't know run with a certain narrative, um, and you in some cases are upholding, you know, what you're supposed to as an officer, then they go after you. And and that's part of what that code of silence is about. If you're not just locking step with some shit, even if it's false, um, you know, suddenly you become a target. You know, and, and and we should be able I mean, hell, and at that point, hell, they acting like these cops are whistleblowers. They're the ones doing the right thing and protecting citizens, you know, not putting innocent people behind bars.
1: Right. They're doing their job. Yeah. Those
2: are the people, but hell, not just doing their job, but like they're really protect, out there protecting people. Hell, they they're if you're doing it's that, that and you job. know. <laughs> it, well, it, well, <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, to me, like that's doing your job, but that's also. You, you when you're fighting against that code of silence, like you're basically giving up your damn career too, man. Like that's. That's unfortunate. I mean, that th- that's the thing. Like, if you commit abuse on citizens, there, there's no database for that shit, but but they ain't gonna let you just transfer somewhere because they know they're gonna call you a snake.
1: You know what, what I am confused about, what I, I guess I just could never understand is, why does one become a police officer? Yeah. Like, because
2: like- you want to be a public servant. I, I mean, I think a lot of people really do feel that way. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying a lot of people do. There are plenty of people who do good cop work. Really, but the thing is, like, who's gonna highlight that shit? You do a oh, good oh, job, and, and and you know, like, who's gonna highlight that? Like, this isn't but, entertainment, you know. If you do a good uh solo, people are gonna write about that shit. If you do good cop work, no, no journalists like, look, this great cop doing this shit. Yeah, it's just yeah, not-
1: yeah. But that's not that's not the whole point of doing it, then. You know.
2: Like, yeah, if, exactly. If, if you're
1: doing it, if you're doing it for the glory, then. You you shouldn't
2: be a cop. So I'm not saying doing it for the glory, but I'm saying, like, in what way? Like, good cop work is just doing good cop work. But when you fuck up, you fuck up, and then that's the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, that's just yeah. how that job works, like you saying.
0: I mean, in theory, it's protect the public from criminals. That sounds like a good job. It pays pretty well, uh, especially if you have, like, a high school level education. It pays really well. There's good overtime. I get the reasons you would want to do it, but... Man, the version of policing that we see, like particularly in cities, doesn't seem like an appealing job in any way. Like the the, the sort of stop and frisk, prevent crime before it happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's tough, man. We That's have some tough stuff. we your job is basically going on profiling and guessing, guessing where something might happen. And the thing I keep going back to is, as they're reforming police, they've also got to. And no one's ready for this idea, but they've got to legalize drugs because drugs are the justification for every almost all of these stops and almost all of this profiling and almost all this stuff. I mean, Mm. that's the excuse that they have. And the reason that drugs are expensive, Don Winslow, um, really good writer, has a book called Power of the Dog. And the point he makes is when you buy drugs, you're not buying cocaine. You're buying the cost of getting cocaine across the border and hiding it from the cops. And it's like, if you legalize it, and, you know, I'm a completely sober person, I don't think anybody should do drugs. But if you legalize it, you remove all of the excuses for these policing tactics, and this border security and the militarization of police departments, and a lot of the things that the government does at a state and federal level. It's just, we have a ridiculous trap going
2: there's a lot of ooh. That's, let's see. If we, if we had another five hours, we could get in that one. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: They'll find a reason to pull us over. But
2: well, that's all about to say. Look, they there will be a reason. Uh, look, it ain't like drugs existed. You uh, want? Well, let me let me rephrase that. It's not that drugs didn't exist. The the way drug trafficking exists today uh, didn't exist. You know, you know, century and a half ago. But you know, ways would be found. You know, but but again, the demographics of the country are changing, too. There's a lot of reasons we're seeing so much like really almost like a violent political shift um, taking place right now. There's just a lot of things in these next couple of decades that are going to be massively different about just how the economy works, you know, automation, like, you know, um A lot of things about voting um, are going to change those demographics and, and, you know, the total population of the country. Um, I don't know, man. Like there's just so much to to get into when it comes to like political leverage and, you know, what allows a Walter McMillan sort of situation to even take place. Um,
0: Well, Well, the other thing is my wife and I are talking about this today. Part of the reason COP is such a shitty job is you have all of these different things that you're responsible for at the same time. It's yeah, a, you're it's trying to solve murders and you're trying to solve like, oh, my God, George Floyd may have used a counterfeit $20 bill. Like the person who handles the counterfeit $20 bill and the person who handles actual crime should not be the same person. Yeah,
2: And the person who handles like someone having – like needing assistance for like a mental breakdown or all that kind of – That's the example
0: she gave. Exactly. That should be a mental health professional. That should not be a cop. And maybe like busted taillights, maybe you just let that go. Maybe you go for your car inspection every year and the DMV gives you a fine as opposed to the cops pulling you over at three o'clock in the morning and asking you to get out of your car and all that shit.
2: I mean, well, like I said, uh, well, I said, like I said, like Keith said, there'll always be a reason, the, you know, if things stay the way they are. Yeah, um,
1: they, they'll figure out. They'll figure look, out
2: something. The, <laughs> like, my, 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 the color of my shoes, the hoodie I got on, the wrong color glasses, I don't know. It's going to be something.
1: Like, tell me, me a question. Like, have you ever just, like, I don't know, like, been standing outside, like, literally doing nothing, and a police officer walk up to you and ask you for your ID? Oh, me? Yeah.
0: Never. Absolutely not. But That's I had, terrifying. I've had many times. <laughs> no, and I want to hear this because I, I'll bet you have multiple examples. But I have had the experience of getting pulled over for a completely just reason, like I ran a stop sign or something or uh, made a turn where I wasn't supposed to make a turn and got off on a warning. That's happened to – I've gotten off on things that I should have gotten in trouble for more than I've gotten – in more than the opposite.
1: I remember um, – I, I was thinking about this when, when you were talking about the drug bust thing and, like, people just, you know, not pulling people over and stuff. Cops not pulling you over. And it made me think about this time. I was hanging out with um Aaron's cousin, actually, Kevin.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Kevin so we stayed. Were- he he looked like everybody wronged it to them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, you know, Kevin is like you know how he like um the Dosakis man. He one of them people like <laughs> the most interesting man in the world. Like, he, like for real, like you, it's no way that you can sit down with Kevin and talk for like fifteen minutes. You're gonna be there for about two hours, and it's like we were sitting outside. We weren't even sitting, we was like standing outside of his apartment, just just hanging out. Just and and like um we weren't drinking, we weren't doing nothing. We were just just talking. Man, two police officers, they roll up, we saw them coming. They stop, they get out the car, they walk directly to us and ask us for our um, driver's to see our driver's license. And I'm my my little my scary ass, I'm quickly trying to get my wallet. Um Kevin like, nah, we're not going to get y'all. For what? <laughs> I was like, for what? I said, I was like, man, shit, we about to die, bro. <laughs> like, I didn't even think, like, we about to get arrested. I said, damn, we about to die. I just didn't even do nothing. I just froze. They, they, they stood there. They looked at us for a second. They said, have a nice day and walked off.
2: Wow. But
1: man, when I tell you, but my see, he 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 so he
2: fast. he even dealt with them plenty though. Like you, you was all anything hey, hey, what you need? Like, and I remember one time, I got pulled up and they were asking to like, can I look in this? Kind of looking, I look in that? I'm like, nah, nah <laughs> you need a reason, bro. Sorry, that's that's <laughs> not happening. <laughs> like
1: I see. i I didn't have that me at the time, you know, and um. I wish I did because I felt a little embarrassed because I was super quick about to pull out my wallet, right? And and it's like I didn't know, like I didn't know, like that was like straight up harassment. I well, just y- was like I was just always taught, like if they tell you to do something, just do it.
2: I'll tell I tell some because the only reason, see, and see, he he's dealt with them before. See, the problem is you don't know what their intentions are. Sometimes they be right. running shit, and then suddenly, they, oh, we got a match for some bullshit. you know, like, nah. Like, actually, one weird story. I've forgotten about this because um, it was the first couple months I was dating my wife. And, uh, well, I mean, well, my wife at the time, of course, but uh, we were in Knoxville. I, mean, I really had like a craving for some rallies. And I normally wouldn't drive late at night just because, I mean, literally, I, I didn't feel like Even having a situation where I was dealing with cops. And I was, you know, like this young kid with a new, newer car. And um, so I, you know, I had to lease the car or whatever. You know, I was paying it off, you know, working on the side. But anyway, this one day I would just really want to go to rallies. And so at the time, um, there was this street on Gay Bridge in Knoxville that was out. So you had to like take this other bridge and normally you wouldn't take. So we take that. It's like this longer way. Go get to rallies. On the way back, this truck is like, acting crazy like zones passes right just goes through this red light and I'm like what the hell is that and so I kind of did something to kind of get out the way of it nothing crazy though cop pulls me over not, not the truck now my wife is she ready to go off she you know blah 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 and I'm like Sarah you need to calm down cop come over she's like what did you pull us over for I'm like Sarah calm down he's like can you get out the car I'm like alright all right, not the car. All right. He's like, you know, so, you know, look, I had been drinking that night, right? But it, it wasn't like, so, it may have been on my breath or something, but he's like trying to test me for all this crazy shit. And he's like, saying the the letter between this and this. And I'm like saying all this stuff. He got me walking on lines and shit. I'm like, can I go? You know, like, what is, like, because I'm, I'm like, first off, you know, I'm thinking to myself, all right, that truck did what he did. I just got out the way. But I wasn't finna talk shit to him, but I was just like, you know, I'm going through all these tests and after before or five of them, I'm like, you know, um, is there anything else you need, officer? Blah, 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 blah. He ran, you know, my insurance and my license and some other shit. And he's like, All right, you can go. But then it was like we were in the car and she goes, Oh, wait a minute. Like that could have went wrong, couldn't it? I'm like, Yeah. Yeah. Like just just like let's just do what the dude asking for. Obviously he, he just You on some bullshit right now, because clearly we weren't in the wrong, but, like, just don't escalate this situation. Like, whatever you do, because I don't know what kind of day this man having. I don't know why he pulled it. Because, I mean, the car almost, like, was, well, the truck's about to run us off the road. Like, it was really... I kind of understated it, but it was really ridiculous, right? But there was no reason to pull us over. And I was like, all right, well, let's just do what we gotta do. But that wasn't given the situation. It wasn't the right thing to do for the cop to do that, but... It's all about de-escalation as much as you can, you know. You don't want to give them anything. You don't really need to. But yeah. at, at night, it was really it was like 11-something. And there was nobody around. Like I was just like, let me just make this as simple and as straightforward as I can. Yes, sir. No, sir. Every single answer. I'm talking about every sentence ended with yes, sir. No, sir. All of it. Just be as compliant and as deferential as you can. And they eat my cold rallies and be pissed about it. But whatever. I'm alive. I'm at the house done deal so I made it I'm here I'm I'm 32 yeah. Yeah, let's, the whole day keeps going let's, let's do three more of these
0: man <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of one of those we don't have five hours questions but what would your ideal situation look like like if every if all the protests took hold and had some effect like what would you want them to result in
2: Man, I don't know. I, I honestly, what what's happening is what I want to see, which is as more people, I'm seeing way more people out in these protests than I've ever seen, um, all around the country, all around the world, really. But is is you know, of course, most important here. Um, I'm thankful to see people speaking out, telling stories. I'm thankful for the dialogue and, and people really. Um, trying, make a mistake sometimes, but really trying to engage and have these conversations. I think it's important to allow everybody to make some mistakes in these conversations and not try to do some cancel bullshit on them, right? Uh, But, you know, the next step, honestly, is going to be in hiring, um, whether it's in journalism, whether it's behind the camera in Hollywood, um, in all these other places. Like, you know, it's not enough to just affirm that your brand believes in – saying that something's wrong. Um, shout out to Ben and Jerry, though, for, like, putting out the most aggressive <laughs> statement on that shit I've ever seen. Like, you know, I shared some with Tim that show like, the first part of their statement. There was more they said. I was like, <laughs> damn. Like, wow. Um, but, you know, we really want to see more in hiring. We want to see just more opportunities for people to um, have their voices heard. Um, you know, not just because you're saying something's wrong in the moment, but um, see that action. Like, even with the NFL, like, Hire more head coaches. Like just shit like that, right? Like don't don't just say, oh, we feel like this is wrong. Like really do more to, to demonstrate that you're gonna allow players who like are the core of your product to be heard. You know, and I really want to see Hollywood do a lot more to allow stories to be told. We've seeing a lot of that with Netflix, which I really appreciate them for. But we want to see more of that. We want to see more opportunities for, for people to tell stories where they're able to, you know, just, <clears throat> just show different kinds of sides of the culture, you know, for black people and other non white folks.
0: Yeah. Keith, any thoughts?
1: Yeah, just to add to that, I, I really would just overall want to see a change in like um, the police force. I know there's action a lot. I know it's, it's asking a lot to have, you know, officers on the street that, che- that treat colored people. I mean, people of color. I said colored people. <laughs> people of color like human beings. I know that's acting a lot. Um, I feel that I shouldn't have to, should no one have any anxiety and fear towards the people that's put into a position to protect and serve us. I feel you know- like that needs to change. I feel that another thing, and what what we're seeing is that I think there shouldn't there shouldn't even be any any other conversations when you see you have straight evidence of somebody murdering another human being, while other people are an accessory to that murder. It's no it's no way like I can't I can't you can't have me on a video choking Aaron to death, and then they people go back and say. Well, what did he do? What did he do at first that makes no that makes no sense now there are certain instances where you can't say oh he he was defending himself but when somebody is over somebody choking them to death there's no there's nothing i feel you know and I feel that that's a that's an insult toward towards um towards black people's insult to towards the family of the deceased um I think that there should be, you know, real punishment towards people, um, um, police officers who act out of turn like that, because I feel like another part of it is that they feel that they can get away with it. Oh, They're well, they know there.
2: they can. It, it's been demonstrated. Right. Like, w- one thing about so the Minneapolis not, Police not, Department.
1: They should not feel that way. Like so were, There should be the fear of God in them for every time that they do something like this.
2: So, I don't remember if this is Minneapolis or just simply the state of Minnesota, but remember that one officer that actually did get in trouble was because he shot a white woman? You remember that? It was like a, uh, I think it was a black Somali um, officer. No. I really wish I could remember the facts of this case, but, you know, so this was like a little after the situation with um, so many people, man, so many names. I hate, I can't remember all of them. It's, it's so so stressful to try to remember everybody's name on camera who, who gets shot. But there was that um cafeteria worker who mentioned that he had a legal weapon in a glove compartment and he was oh, shot by yeah. a um so there was that one of course this is this George Floyd situation and in the middle of that is this this white woman who was shot by that that black officer. And um that's the only one in like a like, I think the last decade, who's actually been charged, and, and um and, and, you know, definitely the only one who's been convicted um up to this moment with George Floyd, but that's what was so crazy, like, they were looking at stuff with Amy Klobuchar and her record in the state, and how she just hadn't charged nobody with nothing, despite, like, all these different instances of things, and it's just, it's just weird, we shouldn't have, like, hundreds of, of complaints of, like, physical violence and, you know, and all that, they're, they're like excessive, you know, violence, you know, by cops and like just no charges haven't been filed. And then it's like this on camera. You got to go through this whole rigmarole of like, you know, are we going to do this? Or are we going to do that? And it's like, I mean, like what? No one's going to get reprimanded for this. Like everybody's scared as hell. Like, I mean, I think that was the thing about the George Floyd situation, too. At what point can you say I fear for my life? Like that's always a thing that people keep coming back to. I I use excessive force because I was frightened, and you know I was in danger. And there's just nothing like that here. And I think that might be the one thing that's like really punctuating for people how unjust a lot of these situations have been. Is that you know you couldn't really do that. Even a situation with Walter Scott in the Carol in I think it was North Carolina. I don't think he got in trouble that cop because he shot the guy in the back while he was running. That was bad. But he also was caught on camera forging uh, the scene, like, planting evidence. And I think that's what got him in hot water rather than killing the guy, shooting him in the back. Um, I don't know, man. It's, you know, it's like these mitigating circumstances oftentimes. It should just be straight up like that was excessive and wrong. But, you know, I think they really got him on the other part. But um, I mean, overall, I, I think Keith's points well taken. I think we, that that would be the thing we really want to see, um, and, and you know, we just need more people represented overall. Um, we we need our man. I really would help if newsrooms had more Black people. I swear, the framing on all these stories, and not just with police stuff, but just all kinds of stuff, so out of whack, man. I I just I can see white people writing the headlines. Like some of them are just so mm-hmm. they're just framed so terribly, and I'm like, dude, like you're informing the public. What are you doing? Like, oh, even and I think we can close here. But that thing that the New York Times did, um, publishing that Tom Cotton editorial, yeah, tragically ridiculous. I could not believe because, look, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm, I think the New York Times um, head editor is a black person. The, the op-ed editor is not, but. The idea that you will publish something that says we're going to militarize, we're going to put the military on peaceful protesters, which is like American citizens, p- like period, is so insane. The military is trained for enemy combatants, not dealing with any form of de-escalation. You know what I mean? That's not what it's for. It's for force. I just, I don't know what they were thinking. And and in particular, knowing that the primary target of something like that would be black folks. Like, what are they thinking? Like, the New York Times, that was so irresponsible. And I just don't feel like a, and, 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 you know, we did see a lot of people working for the New York Times who were black and other people joining them and saying that was messed up. But that was just so short-sighted. I don't feel like somebody who really was thinking that through. Would have gone through with that because basically the excuse was, well, you know, they're public elected officials and, you know, we, you know, there's going to be a voice for what they say, but you're amplifying that voice. And that's the issue that social media has had this whole damn time is being like, well, the users are the users. And like, you know, we can't do anything about the users, user behavior, user behavior. And, you know, um these people have something to say and they're elected, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, but like sometimes amplifying stuff that is just wrong is wrong, period. And we have to have people who are more sensitive, more thoughtful about just simply saying something. We have to be more responsible how we frame things for the public, period. Because those things matter when it comes to policy and they matter when it comes to justice. They really, really matter. Because people aren't going to be able to just you know, go through all the facts of this and that. And when you provide information like that in an opinion piece that was really, really skewed.
0: It was factually it, it, wrong. It, it, yeah,
2: that's what I'm i saying. I mean they it, acknowledged it, it was, that it was true.
0: factually wrong in places. The, 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 it just should the, not have, yeah, it was wrong. The supposed threat that was being addressed by the militarization was mischaracterized. And people if, – if people think that my characterization is wrong, they can go read the editorial and the correction that was appended to it.
2: Please do that if you're interested, because that that's why we need. I mean, it's the the thing is to to get to a point where we can actually have change in the police force and all that. It has to begin with informing the public properly, and not giving the bullshit arguments about why we need additional force and no quarter given to protesters. That was insane, and I, it was just incredibly irresponsible. And I hope we continue to put. People who are more thoughtful about, you know, as we we're saying, what they're going to amplify and put more thought into like what it means to frame things in that sort of way. We really need just more thoughtful approaches to this stuff. I mean, news is not just simply news. We have to be better about how we do that, and inform each other in, in 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 our hearts and in our our what we're feeling in our minds. Like it's, you know, it's just really important, man. It really is that's what i got though uh i don't know if you guys got anything to close on um i feel bummed out now (laughs) keith any closing thoughts
1: no i think we covered everything today
2: so this is a good conversation though and and this is a good movie to watch if you can't watch just mercy definitely definitely check it out in this month of june um it's it's uh currently free for rent on multiple uh, platforms um I know Amazon Prime has it um, for free. YouTube, a couple other places do. So um, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, definitely, definitely recommend the film.